from around the world. This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The world has changed a lot, my friends, and there's no mistake about it. Why, back in Granny Dixon's day, it would have been inconceivable that there would ever be such a thing as a girl detective, much less that she would, herself, one day be baking raisin muffins for one. The social order had stood on its head. The borders of whole countries had shifted, then disappeared, reappeared, and then shifted again. And none of it looked to slow down any time soon. That was why it was important, from time to time, to pause a moment to consider the lilies of the field. The constants in this ever-shifting life. The few true touchstones that remained as they had ever been. Like the great social equalizer that was the gaming table. It mattered not what walk of life your pigeons came from, as long as every chair was full and they were prepared to empty their pockets into the baby-needs-a-new-pair-of-shoes fund. And so it was that on the evening in question, as the last few stalwarts at the Justice and Dixon Invitational prepared to enter the final round of the day's conquests. It had been, to that point, easy pickings. But now the men had been separated from the boys, and as soon as I had their money too, we'd be done with cards for the night. Lady Luck can be a fickle mistress, neighbors, and on that good eve she had left us with a most motley of crews. It was Squarejaw, yours truly, the copper, and the crook. Sure was nice of Dixon's boyfriend to leave us all this swell money, wasn't it? Drop dead. Which one? There was more than one? Both of you, stow it. Button down Theo and Alf McKinney at the same table at the same time. She's got nerves of steel. If <laughs> those two ever got swapping stories. We could sell some <laughs> tickets to that, huh, Jackie boy? All right, fun's fun. But I'm not spending the rest of the night as the whipping post. We were all having a little moment with that image, weren't we? You were? I know I was. Whose deal is it? Mine. I'm just trying to get a little blood back in my legs. Don't rush me. (laughs) What does he do, anyway? Who? Your boyfriend. He's not my boyfriend. Which one? Either of them, and he's a detective. Which one? Both of them. I'm confused. Don't feel bad. I'm confused that I live here. Are there any sandwiches left? There are, but you might do well to move quickly. For Pete's sake, Freddy, try eating with only one hand, would you? And I believe the lieutenant is referring to young Mr. West, who is a junior operative at Braithwaite's. If that boy were any kind of detective, he would have detected that I had nothing but a pair of threes. Don't be too hard on Theo. It's tough for him to concentrate when I am so near and yet so far. Well, the police lieutenant's benevolent association thanks you. Don't thank me yet. I plan on picking the benevolent association's pocket before the sun comes up. Uh, what about you? I thought you had somewhere to be these days. Uh, She's working the night shift at the hospital. I shall pick her up after I have the rest of your money in my pocket. It seems to me that there is quite a bit of big talk at the table just now. Can I assume that we are all in the black at the moment? Between Dixon's harem and Justice's reporter friend, I think we're all pretty flush. A rare and beautiful state of grace. I thought Sergeant Nelson was coming tonight. You leave my pet ulcer out of this. (laughs) He'd have wanted to play Crazy Eights all night. 
Hawthorne, are you going to deal sometime or did you inhale your fingers? If you like, Lieutenant. But need I remind you that right now, all four of us is happy. If we take this little contest to the evident conclusion, it can only result in the three of us being as miserable as our departed brothers. Yeah, that's nice. Deal. 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 As you wish. The game is five-card draw. One draw three, then one of two. And the ante is light. Yeah, that would be you. Oops. <laughs> My mistake. You know what this reminds me of, Jackie? The other ten times you've forgotten to ante tonight? No, but you wound me, sir. I just might. No, it reminds me of that business with the Anderson girl. The Anderson girl? You know, with the big house and the brother. Uh, he means the Henderson girl. That's what I said. What do you know about that? I know enough. Oh, yeah? You didn't even know her name. Please, please, good people. There's only one person in the wide world who knows the whole dizzy business. And if Frederick will give me two fresh cards, I will elucidate. You know you can have three. Just the two, thank you. Are you sure? Freddy. My mistake. It was a day much like any other. The sun was shining, the birds were singing... And the reason for it all was busily engaged, as any young detective might be, washing his socks in the office. Excuse me, I, I was looking for a detective. You found one. Oh, I, I thought I... Are you doing laundry? Cleanliness is next to godliness, and just down the road from Topeka. Uh, of course. Is this a bad time? Oh, I... for heaven's sake, Simon, don't stand there dithering on the stoop. Let a girl in the... Oh, hello. Hello, indeed. I like this one, Simon. Of course you do. He seems to have a pulse, after all. Oh, don't be vulgar. I mean it. He's gritty, yet somehow domestic. I was thinking of having that printed up on some cards. I'm Jack Justice. Of course you are. I'm Cynthia Henderson. The anemic in the Homburg is my baby brother, Simon. Delighted. Quite. Why don't you both have a seat and tell me all about it? May I offer you some coffee? Yes, thank you. Cream and sugar. I take it black. Be still, my heart. What brings you to our offices today? Mr. Justice, my sister and I recently lost our grandmother. Never worked on a lost grandmother case. Plenty of cats, though. How different can it be? No, you misunderstand me, sir. Thank goodness. Our paternal grandmother was very much the matriarchal core of our family. Was she? He means she had all the money. All the property. We lived at her suffrage, with an emphasis on the suffering. We had to be one big happy family, because that's the way Grandmama wanted it. And now? It seems that Grandmother was keen to continue the arrangement beyond the grave. Well, who wouldn't be? This particular haunting, how does it manifest itself? I beg your pardon? I assume the issue is one of inheritance? It is. We've just heard the reading of Grandmama's will, and the situation is absolutely untenable. Is it? The will stipulates that her money and property is to be held in trust for the enjoyment of all of her grandchildren equally. Which is how many? Three. Myself, a spotty Simon there, and our cousin, Bernice. And the two of you have a problem with Bernice? Oh, no. Bernice is a fine girl, a bit quiet... We both get on fine with Bernice. We just can't stand each other is all. You can't? Oh. Besides, the situation is quite ridiculous. Grandmother has all three of us on our old allowances in perpetuity. A terrible thing, to get money for nothing in perpetuity. You joke, sir. But the estate should rightfully have passed to me, as the only male heir. In your case, Simon, the designation is a technicality at best. 
Besides, I am the firstborn child of the firstborn child. That's a polite way of saying that she's the oldest. I see. And what about Bernice? Bernice had no particular claim to sole inheritance. She spent most of her life buttering up dear old Grandmama for that very reason. Obviously, it worked to a degree. Not only is the money held in trust and paid at a pittance at best, but all of us are expected to share the manor house as well. Shocking. I despise nothing quite so much as sharing a manor house. What do you need from me? We have reason to believe that our grandmother changed her will recently. The only documents may have been in one of a pair of quite ghastly end tables she kept in her study. They each had a hidden chamber at the back of the drawer in which she kept important documents. And you need me to come over and rifle through Granny's drawers for you? The end tables were among a number of items that went missing shortly after Grandmother passed away. We think the staff might have helped themselves here and there. You call the police? No one wanted a scandal. All right. My partner and I will need to interview the staff, see if we can come up with any leads. It's not likely, but I have a trick or two up my sleeve. I'll need a complete description of anything that might have gone missing. I should probably have a word with Cousin Bernice while I'm at it. We get thirty-nine ninety-five a day, plus expenses, and I need three days in advance. Good heavens! And before we go any further, I need you to remember this. Right now, you're all unhappy, but you're all unhappy with one-third of a manor house and an allowance. If there is a new will, and if we can find it, odds are that one or the other or both of you is going to be very unhappy indeed with a fat lot of nothing. Are you sure you want to do this? Quite sure, Mr. Justice. All right, then. Full house, sevens over twos. What? 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 There's a terrible echo in here. I noticed that. Perhaps I'll use some of this lovely money to have that looked at. Bloat later. Deal now. What about my story? Allow me to continue, as it was at this point that a certain pair of legs sashayed into this tale of woe. If we were going to find Granny Henderson's will, it looked like we were going to have to locate Granny Henderson's missing knickknacks. But since no police report had ever been filed, it was going to be tough to light a fire under the large and efficient staff of suspects. If only we had a loud, intimidating policeman type right from central casting at our beck and call. Fortunately, Jack had a plan. Well, where is he? Take it easy, Lieutenant. It's a big house. It's going to be a lot smaller if I have to burn it to the ground to find your partner. Let's look in this room now. Dixon, I don't have time to play hide-and-seek with your partner. If he's found a body... I told you I thought that's what he said. It was a terrible connection. But I do know he said that we should get down to the Henderson spread right away. This whole setup smells. Why you should happen to be in my office when he calls... Look here, Lieutenant. Look where? Over here, where I'm pointing. Yeah, so what? It looks like there used to be some furniture here, and it was recently moved. What? You don't think that's interesting? What in the screaming blue blazers are you talking about? You've gone over the deep end. This whole place gives me the creeps. I feel like we're being watched. I think it's just the servants here and there. And everywhere. Look, Dixon, I don't have time for this. If there's a body down here... Well, maybe there is and maybe there isn't. Maybe it just went missing. Missing? Missing? You think that's the sort of thing that could just go missing? Oh, that's good. Do you have any idea how big a deal that is? That's a serious offense. Just a little louder, please. If there's anything here to find, I want it found, and I want it found now. Hey, maybe the staff is hiding something. And if the staff is hiding something, I'm going to tear every last one of the... Wait, what? Good enough. Nod and look serious now. What? Or just chew your cigar and look sour. What? Look, Vic, it was a bad connection. Let me make it up to you with lunch. What? 
They do a corned beef hash at Kippy's that'll make you cry. What are you... Kippy's? Really? You're springing? Heck, bright eyes. You're on the expense account. And shockingly enough, while the good lieutenant was being mollified with a nourishing lunch, three different members of the staff approached Jack, wishing nothing more than to tell him all they knew about the missing goodies. I call. See it. I'm gonna kill you. There was probably a better way to tell that story. See it and raise it five. I'm gonna kill you dead. You're five and five more. A much, much better way. Like what? See it. Like lying? I'm out. Exactly like lying, in fact. I call. Look, Sabian, we needed to break the ice, and a bellowing police lieutenant proved to be the ideal sledgehammer. You got a good lunch, so what's the harm? Right? There is. And I want to stress this. Only one reason why I'm allowing you to keep breathing. You got the straight, didn't you? I did, in fact, get the straight. Ah, swell. So that one-of-a-kind didn't stand up, huh? Shut up. So you found the will? Actually, things were about to get a lot worse. Why? Because I was about to make my entrance. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. The name is Hawthorne. Frederick Josiah Hawthorne Esquire. Raconteur, gentleman adventurer, and amateur criminologist. It is well known within certain circles that I have made a special study of the criminal classes that dwell within my city. And from time to time, I am pleased to put that knowledge to special service in the cause of law and order. I am frequently consulted on such matters by a wide array of local investigators who are unable to pass amongst the ne'er-do-wells of the city with the impunity granted to me in my guise as Freddy the Finger. Just such a one was Jonathan Justice, known as Blackjack, an old friend of my acquaintance who hired himself out as private detective to those whom fate led to his door. He was frequently in need of my assistance when he was otherwise unable to clear his meager mysteries, and this day proved to be no exception. Aw, come on, Freddy, be a pal. What am I supposed to do if you won't help a fella out? Oh, Jayquees, whatever shall I do with you? Aw, don't be like that, Mr. Hawthorne, sir. You know times has been tough. Very well. Regale me once again with the details of your case, and I will see if I can help you reason it out. Gosh, thanks, Fred. You're a stand-up guy, you are. You say the objects in question are a pair of end tables? Uh, That's right. I had my clients make these lists of everything that took a walk after Granny Henderson kicked the bucket. I see. Interesting. I would tend to class this matter as three robberies rather than just one. Amazing, Mr. Hawthorne. What made you say that? Elementary, my dear Jack. There are some dozen items of a personal nature that suggested they might have been taken by someone with close personal access to the late Mrs. Henderson, as well as a general sense of what might not cause too much hue and cry were it to go missing. Some small jewelry of questionable value, a silver-handled hairbrush and mirror, that sort of thing. Yes, 
And my informants on the staff suggest those were taken by the chambermaid, Ellen. I should have been astonished if it had proved otherwise. This list of books missing from the library suggests a more educated approach. All rare first editions, hard to replace. Very valuable. But no respectable dealer would have bought them from a servant. Furthermore, the fact that only the feminine handwriting seems to have noted their disappearances, while all other missing items are documented on both lists. I would conclude that the books were taken by one of your own clients. Simon Henderson. Astonishing, Hawthorne. That is just exactly what I've learned. Mm -hmm. These last articles, uh, some furniture, pixel frames, a few genuine antiques, they must have been liberated by a fairly senior member of this household, if only because he was able to arrange their transport with relative ease. You are truly a wonder, Mr. Hawthorne. Mm -hmm. I am told that the final guilty party was Coleman the butler. And it was this final theft that involved the late lamented end tables. But since Coleman has left the service of the Henderson estate and left for parts unknown, I have no way of knowing to whom he might have sold the end tables that may contain Granny's new will. I am at the mercy of your great powers, sir. Do not despair, mon petit friend. Logic can be our guide in this. As in all things, an amateur like this Coleman would want to dispose of all of his ill-gotten booty in a single place in order to make tracks hurriedly. No legitimate operator would have failed to notice the tenuous claim of ownership involved and of the criminals which I am acquainted. Only one would deal with the variety of objects on this list. Pete the Pirate Pronowski. And as it is Pete the Pirate's habit to hold on to material that might be too hot to handle for a time, I feel sure that we can recover whatever may be hidden in the secret compartment of those end-table drawers with a covert visit to his warehouse. Come, Justice. The game is afoot. I call. I beg your pardon? I said I call, little Lord Fauntleroy. Bet or fold. Oh, See it and raise it ten. Ten! Overreact when it's your turn, Sabian. My mistake. Ladies first. Thank you. Ten! Fold. Fold. Ah, Christmas. I fold. Ah, come to Papa. What did you have? Don't got to tell you without a warrant, Lieutenant. You're awful quiet over there. Do you accept this travesty of fiction into the record? Do I really have to waste my breath shooting holes in that? Hand to God, that's how it happened. I have very little doubt that that is how Freddy remembers it. I like to think that the embellishments should speak for themselves. Since the evening is wearing on and he got most of the actual content more or less right, we'll let it stand. I resent all of this. Uh, Whose deal is it? Have I changed my seat in the last hour? Have you what? Give me those cards. The truth of the matter is that with my fateful valet Cato here, I did pay a late-night call on the warehouse used by Pete the Pirate Pronowski. Would you like to tell everyone what happened next, Sherlock? I seem to be unable to recall just now. Really? I seem to recall it something like this. Oh, Pete. Petey, sweetheart, please, please, don't don't kill us. Oh, God, I, I, I swear, we weren't doing nothing. We, we, we were just... Oh, Petey, please, look, look in your heart. It's old Freddy. Pete, your dearest chum, your, your boon companion. Can you shut him up? Would that I could, Mr. the Pirate, would that I could. 
He is getting on my nerves. Yeah, he does that. Please, Petey. Uh, we weren't doing nothing. <laughs> Please, don't kill me. We didn't touch a thing. I know you of old, Fred Hawthorne. I am certain you will understand why I might find that difficult to believe. That's wise, Mr. Pradowski. But in this instant, he happens to be telling the truth. We're not after any of your stock. Just taking a little midnight stroll through my warehouse, Jack? Something like that. You bought a load of bric-a-brac that someone had no business selling to you. As it happens, the only person who might have cared about that one way or the other is dead. Well, that saves some time. It really does. All we're after is a little something that may or may not have been in a hidden drawer in an old end table. Oh, is that all? Uh, sure, sure, Petey. Th that's all, we swear. So, you work for the Hendersons? There's only one way you could have known that. Well, two if you're psychic. You're not psychic, are you? I am not. No, I didn't suppose you were. You found Granny's will. I did. And since you didn't return it, I can only assume that you have a scheme of some kind in mind. Of a very good kind, Mr. Justice. This little piece of paper can be worth more to me than everything else I got from the old butler. Maybe more than everything else in this warehouse. But it must be handled just right. Well, as the Henderson's representative, I'd be pleased to handle the negotiations on their behalf. You mistake me. Handled just right means handled anonymously. Ah. Well, since we already know who you are, that's going to be a problem, isn't it? No, Mr. Justice. I don't think that is going to be a problem in the least. Oh, jeez, Pete, don't kill me, please. I don't know nothing, I swear. My hero. I am sorry about this, gentlemen. It's just business. Hold it right there, Captain Hook. Keep your hands where I can see them, or I'll spray your brains all over that lovely credenza. Curse you! Curse you all! Wait a minute. What's wrong? What's wrong? This isn't how it happened at all. Details, details. The finer points of dialogue notwithstanding... No, I mean this isn't how it happened at all. Could somebody bet, please? Uh, Trix, I don't think that... Uh... No, I wasn't there. I was on the Mercer divorce job, remember? I call. Really? It wasn't you. See, it... Seems like kind of a funny thing to forget. Raise five. Oh, well. All's well that ends well. I fold. No, wait. It didn't end at all. Dixon didn't rescue you, and I didn't rescue you, and Freddy was next to you having an accident. So what happened? I don't recall. Wait. I think I do. No, Fred. I'm sure that you don't. No, Pete. Do what you want with me, but let Jack go. Never. You know too much, Fred Hawthorne. I cannot allow you to live. All right. Stop right there, you. What the? Get your stinking mitts off my man. Alice? Alice. Alice. Quiet. I want to see where he's going with this. Alice, baby. How did you find me? It matters not. Now that she is here, she can share your fate. Don't you believe it, punk? I'm taking you out. Freddy, get down! Okay, no, no, sorry. I'm out. Wait your turn. Not that. The story. This is too stupid to live. I'm supposed to believe that Hawthorne's wife busted in with a Tommy gun? No, because it's always seemed pretty possible to me. I'll bet. Wait, where was this warehouse exactly? Hmm? That's the best you can do? Hmm? What is it? This wouldn't be a place up on Gower, would it, near Debussy? You know, I can't quite recall. Vic, what is it? Place up there full of old furniture burned down to the ground right about the time you were on this case. Is that a fact? Arson investigation's still open. You know, I seem to recall how we escaped now. 
I am overcome with remorse for the way that I have treated you, gentlemen. Think nothing of it, Pete, old chum. Also, my handling of this matter of the will... I have been a first-class heel. You mustn't blame yourself. No, no. Please, take the will. Now, if you will excuse me, I will ease my pain by being careless with matches. Good day. And that's exactly how it happened. Darn tootin'. Uh-huh. And Pete Pronowski will corroborate all this. If you can find them. I think what my friend means to say is that Pete the Pirate looked pretty despondent. I think he might have been considering something desperate. Oh, Christmas. I don't want to know anything more about this. In fact, I want to know less than I know now. The point is, I got the will and freedom and democracy were saved. So who got the money? Uh, I think it was the cousin, Bernice. Really? Sure, why not? No, you've got it all backwards. Bernice was the one that was cut out. I don't think so. Oh, I got it. The brother and sister that hired you. They was only pretending to be brother and sister. She was really the cousin Bernice, and they had killed the older sister and ran off to Mexico to get married. Oh, shut up! Okay, but I know funny. The old lady changed the will to leave everything to the Humane Society. Wait, I like his better. The will was never made legal, it was thrown out. How do you know? It was in the papers. Dog and cats, folks fought it for a while, went nowhere. Right, see? So they was happy with what they had in the first place, which was my point. Was it? I don't think so. He said if we kept playing, three of us might regret it. And you told a story that ends with the whole thing being a waste of time. Exactly. Not unlike the last hour and a half. By my count, since you've been telling that story, not one of us is either up or down more than eight bucks. I hate to say it, but I think he's right. This is getting us nowhere. It's getting late. Right. Right. So whose deal is it? Mine. Freddy, ante, or I'll shoot you. Okay. Seven card stud, nothing wild, and the sky's the limit. Blackjack Justice, episode 42, The Sky's the Limit, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Peter Nickel, Hans Messerschmidt, Clarissa Dunnerlanden, Kevin Robinson, and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Just in time for the holidays. Everything old is new again. Repellent Pictures. The studio that brought you Santa Claus vs. the Mullahs proudly presents a retelling of the classic Frank Capra picture, It's a Wonderful Life. Let's go back to sleepy, tiny Bedford Falls, home of hard-working George Bailey, played by James Stewart, and money-grubbing old miser Mr. Potter, portrayed by Lionel Barrymore. Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. People were human beings to my father, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. I'm not interested in your book. I'm talking about the building and loan. I know very well what you're talking about. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on, and it's galling you. That's what you're talking about, I know. Well, I've said too much. I... You're the board here. You do what you want with this thing. 
Just one more thing, though. What? This! Don't miss this heartfelt, heartwarming, heart-pounding Christmas tale. Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. Sentence. Now playing at all fine cinemas. And released by... Repellent Pictures.